Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone. Good to have you here. Um, always a pleasure uh, to be with other Christians anytime, uh, first day of the week or otherwise, but certainly on the first day of the week when we're called to assemble together and worship our Father in heaven. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, I'm one of the elders here, not one of the regular speakers here. Um, uh, Barry Kerchival uh, is out of town. As was mentioned, he's on a beach in class this morning. Someone said that. Um, I'm sure that today he's worshiping with Christians somewhere. Uh, he will be back this week and will be picking up his responsibilities uh, next week. Um, so you have me to, this morning. Eric Borlaug will be driving down today from uh, Bowling Green and will be presenting a lesson tonight. Um, so we welcome you back at that time when we gather again at 5 p.m. Yesterday afternoon there was a celebration of life for Pat Starr. She was the wife to Dwayne Starr, uh, who was one of the elders of this congregation, actually from the time before this congregation started meeting in this building. She was the mother uh, to a daughter, Kay Starr, and a son, Alex Starr. She was the grandmother of four, of which Nathan Richards was one, is one, as well as a great-grandmother to ten children, um, including Beckett and Sam Richards. It was a great celebration yesterday of a woman who has uh, done much in the kingdom of God. And for those of us who were here, um, it was just a restoration of, I think, faith. Um, in the promises that God makes to each Christian of the life to come. My lesson this morning is not intended to be a re revisit of that celebration, however, but um, the obituary that was sent out, uh, handed out, and that was read during her service uh, had a sentence in it that caught my eye, um, knowing what I was going to be presenting as thoughts for your consideration this morning. It was the very last sentence in the obituary. I don't know who wrote it, um, but the words were this. Pat served the Woodland Hills Church of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee for the last 34 years. The verb in that sentence, the action word in that sentence is that she served. For those of you who knew Pat, in how many ways can you remember that she served? Whether it was this local family of God's people or others that were outside the church or saints that were part of other congregations, what are some of the ways that she served? And in this local family, what are the ways that you remember that she served? And were there any times in her life when she didn't serve? And if there were gaps, were those gaps due to a lack of desire or just due to health or something that would prevent her from fully serving and maybe a capacity that she would have preferred? If she could have, would she have been serving at that time?
I had Anon read a scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. You can open your Bibles there this morning. We're going to spend all of our time in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and I want to reread what he read to call our attention to this passage of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 7. I'll read 7 and 8 and then pick up at 11 and go through 16. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Uh, for it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip, the, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Christ, of God's Son, uh, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for, the building, for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. I introduced that at our congregational meeting a few weeks ago, I introduced that our topic, our theme, if you will, for the group um, quarterly studies that we will have in 2023 will be on the theme that this passage of Scripture sort of ends with, and that is um, verse 16, having a whole body that is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promoting the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Those parts, those ligaments, those things that are fitted and knitted together are us. They are the members of this church. They are the saints that gather here and wear the name of Jesus Christ, and call ourselves Christians, honor our Father in heaven, and try to live our life in a way that not only shines his light in the communities around us, but uh, encourages each other to do the same. For those of you who knew Pat, I would ask you, did she promote the growth of the body here in this family of God's people? Did she do it by the proper working of her part in it? Enough about Pat. What does this passage teach us about the working of each individual part of the body? We do not have time this morning to do an exhaustive study of this passage of Scripture. In fact, I was just talking to someone, a preacher from out of state, uh, a week or two ago, who said that if he were to take this passage of Scripture, he could probably preach from it at least once a month, every month, uh, for the next two years, and get some richness out of the, the depth of this particular Scripture. We don't have time for that this morning. My intent is strictly to establish enough of an understanding of what our parts is so that we can start to look forward to 2023 
and thinking about our roles, our parts, um, as we look to become that mature body that Paul describes in these scriptures. In verses 4 through 6, this is before the passage that we read, Paul provides us with seven truths that are absolute about our unity. These are truths that are infallible. These are truths that should make us understand that, they, that there is no doubt that Christians have unity in these things. They're irrefutable to Christians. They are that we have one body. There is one body. There is one spirit. Um, there, just as you were called into one hope, at your calling, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. Seven truths about our unity. But verse 7 says that in addition to those truths that should help us to understand we have unity, it says that Christ gave gifts in addition to those truths. Grace was given to each one of us in verse 7 according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to the people. Not enough time to talk about this passage in depth, but basically what it's establishing is that he has authority to give gifts to his body, to the church, because of what he did when he came to earth and gave his life and ascended back into heaven. He's the only one in a position who can give those gifts. So we have these seven truths of unity and we have these gifts that Christ gave to reinforce that unity. So what are these gifts? And what's the purpose of these gifts? In verse 12, it says that the purpose of the gifts that Christ gave to the saints is to equip the saints for the service and that that service is intended to build up the body of Christ, the church. The gifts were given by Christ so that everyone would be able to participate in the process of growing into a fully functional, full-grown representation of Christ. Read the passage of Scripture in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. The body of Christ, the church, of, the church that is his body, should be a full representation of all that he offers to mankind. When people belong to a body of Christ, they should be able to feel the things and experience the things that Christ offers to mankind. That comes through a knowledge of him, as described there, and so when we come together, we study God's Word. We want to learn more about Him. We want to learn all we can about Him 
so that whatever we're doing in our lives, we're helping others fully understand to the best of their ability and appreciate what God and what Christ have done for mankind, like maybe you do. Wouldn't it be great if you could impress upon the people around you the love and the appreciation you have for God and what his son did and combine what they offered so that you can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and a hope of heaven for eternity. Wouldn't it be great if we could somehow translate what is in our own heads for those of us who feel that way to those around us? And coming together and studying more about his word and understanding more fully all that he has, growing in our appreciation every day for what that will bring to each one of us is why we gather together and assemble. And it's why this passage, one of the reasons why this passage of scripture says that the, that the body is fully functioning when each ligament, when each part is doing its part, is playing its role and not playing in an acting way fulfilling its role in an active way. And so, what exactly did Christ give the saints, the church? In verse 11, Paul writes, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, and then on to verse 12, to do some things, to equip the saints. Did Paul, does this passage say that Paul gave the church apostles, that he gave the church evangelists, that he gave the church prophets, that he gave the church teachers and pastors? Or does it say he himself gave some. And that's not being clever. What did Christ give the church? Christ gave the church people. He gave the church people. Some of those people were apostles. Some of those people were evangelists. Some of those people were pastors. And some of those people were prophets. Some of those people were none of those things. He gave all of them to the church. My point is simply this. Christ has given his church people so that we might equip each other to become what he expects his body to become. And those of you who are members here are the people that God has given this family of God's church, of God's kingdom. You are the gifts that God has given this church in his kingdom. Each of you are some of these things. Now, do we have apostles today? Not all of these things were miraculous. Do we have apostles today? No, we don't. We have the apostles' word. We have what they wrote. 
But do we have pastors, elders? Do we have teachers? Were all those teachers miraculous? Were they all gifted in that way in the time of Paul? No. Were all the pastors miraculously picked to lead the church? No. They were people who fulfilled their roles given the abilities that God blessed them with and accepting that responsibility stepped up and took on those roles. Were they perfect? No. Are we? No, we're not. But the people are what God gave us or gave the church in that day and it's what he still gives the church in this day. He gave the people to do the work. Sometimes we say when someone joins the church that they've joined this work. That's exactly right. This is a work. It's a work that God has called us out to do. We are the saints. We're dedicated to this purpose. It should be the first and foremost thing in our life. It becomes, it becomes before everything else because it's our service to God in his body, the church. And now you might see why that sentence at the end of Pat's obituary caught my attention, who I wrote it, that she served the Woodland Hills Church of Christ for 34 years. Exactly right. Christ's aim was for all people to fulfill their part, to use their gifts to the achievement of the goal of reaching unity in faith and knowledge of Christ and growing into a full representation of Him. Paul said in the book of Philippians that one of the things that he strove for that he had not yet attained, um, he said he gave up all the things in his former life that he might understand to come to a full knowledge of Christ and he said I've not yet laid hold on that we'll spend our whole lives trying to come to a knowledge of Christ the Son of God and all that's been done for us and utilizing that knowledge in a way that unifies the body that makes it a fully functioning body that reaches out to the community that serves its members from within that encourages us every single day to overcome We'll spend our whole life doing that it is our service. And in 2023, we're going to explore, help us each explore what our part or parts may be. We've decided to do it in um, demographic means, meaning by that we're going to be looking at age groups. But it could be done in any number of ways. We could look at it, what, do, what is the role of women in the church, in God's kingdom? Or what is the role of men? Um, or what is the role of a deacon or an elder or what? We, we could do all those kinds of studies. Some of those will come out in this study, but we've chosen to do it in terms of age groups. And so the first quarter of next year, we'll be studying what are the gifts that are unique in some ways to youth. Things that you have opportunities to do while you're young 
that you may not have opportunities to do when you're older. And so what are the challenges in recognizing those gifts uh, for the young, being courageous to utilize those gifts while they're young? That'll be the first quarter. And for the rest of us, our job in that quarter, that are, for those of us that are not young, <laughs> for those of us that are not young, the rest of us, our job during that particular quarter is what is our role to help them realize their gifts and take advantage of their gifts in the service of the work in God's kingdom. In the second quarter, we will be looking at the middle years. What are the gifts that are available that are somewhat unique to people in the middle years of their life that might not be, have been available to them when they were younger? Opportunities that might be coming their way now that wouldn't have come when they were younger. Opportunities that may not come when they're older. And similarly, we'll look at how do we recognize those, have the courage to accept those, and if we're not in our middle years, how do we encourage those that are to embrace those, use those, to help us become all that we can possibly be in God's kingdom. The third quarter, we will be looking at the elderly. What are the opportunities for elderlies, the gifts that the elderly bring to the church? And how do we recognize and appreciate those and encourage them to continue to utilize those? And in the fourth quarter, we'll be looking at leadership. What are the opportunities and the gifts that leadership can bring to a church? What does it take to become or to start to build to become a leader? And how do we encourage those who may have those abilities who may not yet be in those roles to be start to become, to think of those roles, to consider what they could do in those capacities? Our lives, um, sorry, my pages are out of order. So the, the idea of those studies will be twofold. Number one, discovering my part. What are my opportunities? And how do I take advantage of those? And the second part is, how do I help others to discover theirs? and take advantage of those. The quarterly studies are meant to encourage us all to make a practical application in our lives as we improve our love and our service toward each other. Hopefully you'll commit to making yourself available to taking the first step in discovering what your role might be in this congregation by attending those quarterly meetings four times next year, once per quarter, and to participate in those discussions to help us all be equipped to consider and participate in um, our service to each other and to the world. That is my lesson this morning. I want to close, though, with a story that I heard, or read, sorry, that I read recently. I'm just going to read it. Um, it's not long. Um, but I, I just think it makes such a great point in concert with this lesson. It happened at a gas station in Minnesota a dozen years ago. 
A gentleman was waiting for an egg salad sandwich at a convenience store when he picked up a slightly crumpled newsletter that was sitting on the counter. It was humble looking with holiday clip art. Um, it was a newsletter from the operations leader at the gas station. It was hardly something that would catch your eye or that you'd expect would make a lasting impact on your life. But while he waited for the sandwich, the guy started to read it anyway. And it read, Name the sixth wealthiest people in the world. Name the seven people who were honored as Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Name the winners of the Super Bowl for the past five years. Name four of the biggest selling box office movies in the last 12 years. The man couldn't come up with more than a name or two in response to a few of the questions, and that was precisely the point. Then came the epiphany from that newsletter. Those questions were followed. Sorry. Those questions were followed by these. Name a teacher who made an impact on your life. Name a friend who has always been there for you, no matter what. Think of someone who inspired you to be better than you ever would have been without their influence. It was a lot easier for that man to answer those questions because those are the people who truly influence our lives, who by their words and their actions genuinely make a difference simply because they care or cared enough to help you become and continue to be the best that you could possibly be. The convenience store operator brought the man his egg salad sandwich, noticed that he'd read the pamphlet, and he said, so who's on your list? The man didn't hesitate to answer. My dad, he said. His voice choked with emotion. I lost him on 9-11. That man still keeps a copy of the newsletter in his briefcase. That extraordinary wisdom from the most ordinary of places serves as a constant reminder of the person who had the greatest impact in his life. That's somewhat connective, maybe cathartic. Our memory of those people who've made a difference in our lives who've helped us define who we are, who remind us of how far we've come, and who have helped us to realize just how capable we are to overcome challenges, to realize achievements in our lives, are the people who make the world, I think, what God intends for 
the church to become. So who are we grateful for? And do we strive to be all that they thought we could be in every daily walk of our life? No matter what that might be, as a mother, as a father, as a brother, as a sister, as a colleague, as a friend. Because here's the thing, it's not just about who helped us. It's about who are you helping? And that's the point of the lessons next year. I hope you'll take advantage of the opportunity to find your place, define your role, and step up and embrace it in 2023. If you're not a member of this congregation and you'd like to be, we certainly would welcome you to be joining this work. If you're not a member of God's kingdom and you know what you need to do to be saved, to be baptized, to start that walk, we would welcome you into his kingdom today. We have water that's available to do that. If there's anything we can do for you, let it be known by coming forward as we stand and sing.